to me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. Growing up an only, all right, I almost said only child. (laughs) The only girl in my family. I have three brothers and they're all younger. They're actually a lot younger. But growing up the only girl in my household definitely made some personal challenges for myself. I don't know if anybody else saw them or viewed them as challenges, but I did. I really struggled with having these three brothers, not because I didn't love them to pieces, believe me, they're very well loved, (laughs) but I definitely longed for those feminine connections that you just couldn't get with a brother. One of my brothers, the one that is closest to me in age, he's four years younger. That's how like distant I am from my brothers. I, this poor kid, I would torture him. (laughs) I, oh gosh, there's so many photos. I would dress him up. I would make him into whatever I was doing that day. My brothers have horrible stories about me making them sit in desks because my mother one time inherited these fantastic old schoolhouse type of desks. I mean, like, oh my gosh, they had to be from the 50s or the 60s. They were just so perfect as to what you think of as the quintessential schoolhouse desk. And we had four of them. And I would make them sit in their desk and I would make them play school. I mean, these guys hate me. This is why today when I call, I think this is why I only get to talk to their wives. I'm just teasing. My brothers are so loving and very kind and very forgiving. My youngest brother, who is 10 years younger than I am, I really dressed up all the time. What's sad is that I I look back and I see that that was just me wanting to connect with other girls. When I got to a certain age, I started to hear about (laughs) something called a sleepover. (laughs) Now, with my family... I have a really huge extended family. I am one of 58 grandchildren. I'm one of the oldest out of the 58. I'm the sixth oldest of 58 grandkids. And yes, we all know what number we are. It's very, very important. And look, you are always trying to have some sort of identity when you come from such a large family. And yes, these are all first cousins. My mother is the oldest of 10, and we take that whole be fruitful and multiply thing really seriously. We, we, we like the whole Catholic gamut. So I had grown up sleeping over at my cousin's houses. That was something that was not foreign. Even when I lived in Natchitoches, which my the bulk of my childhood was in this small town in Louisiana, from birth until summer before fifth grade. So before I was 10, just you know, that's a, that's a pretty healthy chunk of childhood. And I remember having sleepovers, very limited though, at certain friends' homes. But it was when I got to Houston and it was when I got into junior high and high school, we would have these epic sleepovers. And when I mean epic, I mean, we're talking 30 kids. And kids, girls, okay. My parents are very traditional. (laughs) They were not into boy-girl sleepovers, right? Although back in the day, um, we would have, you know, things at church where, you know, everybody would all like camp on the gym floor together and you'd have a boy side and a girl side. Those were called lock-ins. I love how if we change the name, it's something different. Like 
you know, we call a muffin a muffin. And basically it's a cupcake without icing. But we're like, oh, look, it's a whole new thing. It's a breakfast food. Kind of like that. But these epic sleepovers that would happen in junior high and high school, 30 girls, easy. And my mother hated it. <laughs> like, like for multiple reasons. One reason was uh, someone was always crying. She used to say that. There was always someone crying at a sleepover. She would also make the joke, it wasn't really a sleepover until someone started crying. And that's fair. Like, that is true. Also, I was a nightmare the next day. Oh my gosh, I couldn't get it together. And if I were to name it, I would name it sleepover hangover, which is a little too rhymey for me. But that's what it was. It was like having a hangover. You were no good to anybody. I was grumpy. I was horrible. Oh, it was horrific. However, the parts that I loved about having these big epic sleepovers wasn't the nail polish, wasn't the like Totino's, you know, pizza rolls at 2 a.m. that were always a bad idea. It was the stories that would happen at night. You would have these bonding experiences that you were like, oh, this is so bonding. Like it was so emo, right? You would get into these great conversations. People would spill the beans. Secrets were said, you know, and it's four in the morning. So you're delusional. And then, you know, you're at school and you have to act like the next day or, you know, two days later. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a big deal or I'm not going to, you know, spill your secret, you know, whatever. There's this code, a sleepover code. What I love about the whole concept of a sleepover is there is this bonding that you get to with people that aren't, quote unquote, in your family, usually. My guest today has taken the concept of the sleepover and she has made it international. She is so impressive where she got her master's degree, which she got her master's degree in, which when you listen to her story is just uh, really amazing. But this project of hers that she has dedicated her life to has won or has been up for international awards, like the UNESCO award. When you hear about her project, her career with the global sleepover, you're going to want to run and buy all the things. (laughs) It has been such a pleasure and a gift to hear the stories and the connections of my friend, Gita Raj. Hello. Hi, Gita. Welcome. How are you doing, friend? Hi. Oh, my gosh. I'm great, Olivia. It's so nice to talk to you again and see you again. (laughs) It is. It is so fantastic. And I love that you are in the very, like, let's just say bustling city. I don't know. That sounds very 1920s of uh, Washington. Yeah, some people think all the uh, all the power is here and some people don't. So <laughs> I think it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> I think that's a very fair assessment of DC. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, though. I mean, but you guys just got out of that beautiful season of the cherry blossoms yes, that yeah. are in DC. And I got to see those one time. And I tell you what. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. I, that is worth it alone. <laughs> I don't know how long the blossoms stay, yeah. but they're I, it, absolutely gorgeous. It, the city's gorgeous. DC really is beautiful. You know, it was always it's always been my favorite city because of its beauty. The their zoning laws. We don't have freeways through the center of DC. So really? um, yeah, there's a kind of a belt. What's called a beltway, which is a circle 
freeway around the city. So DC proper, um, there are very strict zoning laws. We don't have billboards. And coming from Houston, you know, <laughs> growing right? up there, it's, yeah. it's, it's quite a it's quite a contrast, and it really makes a difference, like just in terms of the greenery and not having the billboards. And so I think that all adds to it. And then of course the architecture and whatnot is very, you know, more narrow lanes, narrow avenues. Um, So it is a beautiful city and yeah, the cherry blossom, there's a reason it's a tourist attraction. (laughs) So beautiful. um, Yeah. The city, (laughs) that makes sense though, without all the extra cement and billboards, which Houston does have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, of course there are two different cities and different sizes completely. So a lot of that is, you know, you probably need the freeways for accessibility in, in Houston, but um, but it just makes difference, at least for me, the energy of the city just changes, not having all that frenetic concrete and cars. Sure, and <laughs> all the extra. So yeah. when did you get to DC? How, how oh long ago gosh. did you get there? <laughs> I, so, <laughs> I mean, we're so, young, so yeah. obviously it was last summer, but. <laughs> That's right, it wasn't that long ago, it was a recent memory. It feels like it was, you know, yesterday. It doesn't exactly. feel like it was something like 15 plus years ago. Yeah, so, don't say that. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny, I never really put it in context until a few years after, um, uh, after, 9-11, but I moved to DC all by myself in uh, August of 2001, three weeks before 9-11. <gasps> Whoa, <laughs> yeah. Peter, that's crazy. Yeah. That must like, have been really scary and intense. Yeah, it must have been intense. intense. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it kind of, I don't, I don't know. Maybe when you're younger, things just don't seem as like, you don't really, yeah. you don't really process things in such a holistic view or and life just kind of happens more in a linear fashion like step by step but um I don't know if I was necessarily scared but definitely I mean it clouded everything so I moved here to start graduate school and um I went to American University the School of International Service so it couldn't have been um more of a relevant course of study for that time period That's like awesome. just international affairs so um so yeah I, I imagine <laughs> I had started, I was on maybe day three or day four of my new internship, um, which was a few blocks from the White House on the morning of 9-11. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I just got goosebumps. Yeah. I really did. That That is, wow. That is intense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you were, were you by the White House or the Pentagon or anything the day of 9-11? Was, was there anything that you experienced that? Yeah. September morning? So I had just started my internship. I was in day three or day four of an internship and the location was um, just a few blocks from the white, from the white house, probably about three or four blocks. And, um, you know, I was at the office that morning and we were right next to a Metro station where the office is. And uh, somebody came out and said, you know, as many of us probably heard, you know, one of the towers is down and it kind of, didn't register as it did for many of us. And so at some point, I think as the, as that hour went on um, and and when it became evident or clear that there was something larger going on, I looked out of the window and I saw, um, it's like they came out of nowhere. I saw a secret police service just in full black, you know, black gear, like guns, armor, running down the sidewalk. I mean, they were obviously going 
towards the White House, right? And but it was just like it's like you know when those movies when you just when they appear out of nowhere, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, like, yes. like come out of the building. So yeah, so, you're like, yeah. where was that guy? <laughs> I love. It's always him. Brad Pitt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Or Bruce Willis. You're like, like where was Bruce this entire time? Yeah, they're invisible, right? Yeah. Someone's yeah, like flying totally. off the rooftop. And yeah, exactly. Definitely. I remember just looking out the window in this like suspended moment of watching all this happen. I'm thinking, this is DC. <laughs> you know, like this, right, is, this is called like, Tuesday. It's, yeah. It's, it's real. It's real. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it was um luckily I was living in a, in a group house with a lot of people. So I wasn't, um, and we had all just recently moved to DC and it happened to be a lot of my school, like my colleagues graduate school. So we were all kind of in the same boat at that time. So, so yeah, so I, that was my introduction to DC and, you know, (laughs) wow, different different world. Baptism by fire kind of a thing. Like, it's like, you're going to sink or swim. Yeah. And I guess you stuck around, you fell in love with the city and you finished your master's. So you have a master's in international impressiveness as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) That sounds a lot more appealing. (laughs) Oh, good. Because I'm impressed. So So tell me what is it, it, Gita? Because for, you know, the other people who are listening that don't quite get it, not for me, I obviously understand. (laughs) Don't worry. I have a script to dumb it down for the lay person. <laughs> oh, perfect. It's, it's for them. I'm so generous. Right. Yeah, you're just the platform for, for them. I am. That's exactly promoting, right. Promoting yeah. understanding, right? That's exactly right. Yes, this has zero to do with me. So Yeah. So I um, so my degree is uh, international. My master's is international peace and conflict resolution, um, but it was with the focus of inter-international development. It's more, you know, humanitarian affairs, foreign affairs there's lots of fancy ways to call it but um, at the end of the day it's international relations I actually have a really funny story that you might be able to relate to this um, <laughs> I'm, I'm so, ready. <laughs> so you know how of our generation a lot of the Indian Americans um, they pursued their parents encouraged them to pursue some very specific fields right medicine right. or law right. engineering I think that's broadened now as the generations have uh, have grown and come along but um my my mother was always quite disappointed um in that I never kind of followed one of those tracks so she didn't quite understand that there was a profession in international affairs right and so she would ask me you know well like well what do I tell people that you're that you do essentially like you know how do I explain it (laughs) yeah I'm not a doctor what do I say (laughs) yeah yeah basically like there's a legit profession outside of that and um (laughs) there's other jobs mom (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I think especially like you know with the communities that we grew up within right it was like there there wasn't a lot of outside tracks at the time I mean I think it changed very rapidly but definitely when we were in our in our late teens early 20s it was it was still quite um you know you choose from one of a few tracks so so I used to get really frustrated with my mom like get scoffing like I'd scoff at her (laughs) mom you know you just don't understand <laughs> and I said, you don't stop. get me mom <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so understood. <laughs> so, so I just the emo like, international I love it <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. international ego affair affairs of the international ego so I would tell her um 
just tell people like, like the just international relations, right? You know, because even like in Houston at the time, there really wasn't a recognition outside of political science, even for this field. So I was just, just tell people international relations and leave it at that. And my mom was so sweet. And she, you know, she had a little sweet accent, you know, from India. And she'd tell people, oh, my daughter, my daughter works in international relationships, you know? <laughs> And so I would scoff even more, Olivia, <laughs> right? Mom, like, it's just two words. Get it right. It's not international relationships. It's international relations. <laughs> like you're a matchmaker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, just your match.com. <laughs> I'm already like, I'm already okay with you not understanding what I do, but just, you know, the title is simple. Um, and so then as I started working in this field, um, I actually realized that she was right that it's all about relationships, right? Oh, um, it's all. <laughs> I just got goosebumps. <laughs> I tell the, my I tell mom the, was right. My mom was right. I tell oh, the I story when I, when I give career talks sometimes, you know, just to point out that I think the field, like it's, it can sound very development, humanitarian assistance, foreign affairs. It can sound very exotic and very it ambiguous does. at the same time. Like, what do you actually do? And um, a lot of it is about relationship building, which happens here in our everyday communities. And it happens on a global scale, right? You know, at the end of the day, people, people are people. So um, I always try and remember that when I look back at where I've worked or who I've worked with um, and try and remember that human connection um, between all of us. So um. I think that's fantastic. What so. was your undergrad? What was your undergraduate degree in and where did you receive that? Uh, creative writing, um, Bachelor of Arts in Creative Writing from University of Houston, actually. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So I could see where that would be very creative and actually I now understand how you got to where you are today. <laughs> that now makes a lot of sense, Gita. Put it together. I just bit, put right? it together because, again, yeah. for the uh, for everyone else, obviously not for me. Um, please explain what it is that you now do and run. And oh my gosh, I am so excited for you sure. to go into great detail about what this is because your project uh, of what you've dedicated your life to. It's just, and I mean this in every sense of the word, it's beautiful. Oh, so please share it with me. Oh, I, that's, I can't wait to hear uh, the gooey details. <laughs> that, that's really kind to hear. And, you know, um, I, I have to say that um, somebody else, it was a few years ago, and I was feeling a little downtrodden about, there were some setbacks with the project. And someone also told me those exact same thing and those exact same words that it's a beautiful thing and, and sincerely is. meant it. And, you know, when people you respect um, give you such feedback and encouragement, I think that's really what makes it beautiful. Like, so I don't see myself as, I don't see it being a part, being me as much as me being a conduit right to something like that because you know nothing happens I in it in a silo sure. right you know so right. anyhow so the, the fact that or alone right. exactly so the fact that you use that word beautiful like reiterate it reminds me of that memory of my other friend telling me the same thing um mm. but what Love i that. am what i'm working on and kind of doing the majority of my focusing the majority of my efforts on is um called the global sleepover what the global sleepover is uh, is a way to teach children about the world 
and world cultures in a fun and engaging way. So that's kind of our our pitch. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> your your elevator, elevator speech. That's our elevator speech, which I'm still trying to perfect. And you know, I'm not a, you did at great. all a performance. <laughs> I'm not at all a performer. Um, so you know, need some work. Um, but essentially, what we're really trying to do is is promote global understanding, promote tolerance, diversity, multiculturalism, in a way that's fun to kids, right? Through um, interactive storytelling. Yeah. So what does that look like? How does Little old me, I'm a stay-at-home mom in Houston, <laughs> Texas, and I want the global sleepover to be a part of my children's, you know, day. How do I do that, Gita? What does that look like? That, that's, a, that's a good question. So we do a variety of things. We have um, some activity kits that we offer for kids. Uh, we also have workshops, camps, and some that are global, um, sorry, some that are online and some that are in person. Obviously now that's changing <laughs> the in-person part of it. So <laughs> we're in all, quarantine it's, currently. So yeah, yeah it's having to go online. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, so we we kind of we bring our programs and workshops to schools, um, to to organizations, and also through like through these little what we call activity kits or activity boxes that you can order for your child at home, and you know it, it was kind of like everything evolved with the global sleepover as anything does, and so the point in so ultimately, the point in, in using technology for us or in anything we're creating is making it about accessible, making it accessible to everyone. So it's something that... Not um, just the it, elite who can afford it. Exactly. Yeah. So right. it's something that we want, you know, this type of learning to go to everybody, whether it's through school, through an individual way, you know, for somebody that can afford it, somebody that can't. For kids in different countries, you know, just as important to access it. So access it. So that's kind of why we have a lot of different options. Um, and to answer your question, so um, I love so that. Yeah. And I love <laughs> the name so. because yeah. I just see like fuzzy pajamas and yeah. popcorn and yeah. you know really great '80s movies, which I'm guessing is not a part of the curriculum of the global sleepover. But well, it could be. It could be. Right. It was, it was definitely um, definitely uh, fueled by my love of sleepovers as a child, and you know we we grew up in the same community in the same high school, so definitely had a lot of sleepovers. And <laughs> it was a rite a of passage. Yeah. It's a rite of passage. So it that's is. how it kind of started. So yeah. And your colleague, who I can't wait to to meet one day, I really would love to talk to him. But you have a partner in this, and he has yeah. a connection to sleepovers. Yeah. Well, that sounds a little weird. <laughs> Not in the Michael should... Jackson way. In, in a good, healthy. Let's, let's rewind that. Let's try that again, shall we? Even the word sleepover, we always joke, you know, we have to oh, put it in context. It can be taken out of context. <laughs> oh, Gita. Yes. Tell me about tell me about your partner. Yeah. So um, the, the way everything came about with the global sleepover and the name the title of it uh i was at work one day and i had been kind of you know thinking in terms of for a while about just like the importance of, of global learning and i'm chatting with my colleague who's this like really almost a quiet and humble person and you know you wouldn't quite imagine that he has such fun stories like he's not <laughs> one to kind of easily share but then every yeah. once in a while he drops something on you right so we were having one of those conversations in our cubes and um he was just 
happened to casually mention that he grew up going on sleepovers at the White House. And, you know, like, as just, in the presidential White yeah. House or like the White House on Fifth Street? What are we That's saying? Right. Like, is there, Be specific. Is, is there a children's playhouse that I never right. heard about called right. the White House? No, exactly. and he just casually dropped it. As, as like, no big his, deal. No big deal. Like, you know, it was just, this is his nature. He's very humble and funny at the same time. And he just kind of trotted past it, right? Onto the next conversation point. And so I reined that in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, what exactly do you mean? Um, and as it turned out, um, his father worked at the White House um, and was was there quite a bit in the administration. And so um, I guess at the time it was less security and easier to bring, you know, kids with you. And so he was the same age as some of the, pres- the president's family members. And so he would go with his father to the White House and end up spending the night at the White House. As you do. As you do. Who doesn't? And, and, <laughs> exactly. And doing, getting into mischief, mischief as 12-year-olds do. And, you know, these are all... These were all like really like the way he was talking about them also it was just very casual. And but he recognized that not all kids get, got that opportunity. <laughs> so, you know, so he started telling these fun stories. And I thought, well, how fun would it be to write a children's book about your experience? Like just a cool how cool to from that perspective of being in the White House. Remember, this was a time before YouTube was around. this was back in 2005 I mean I I hate what I had an iPhone yeah yeah yeah, I sound like one of those I sound like one of those like you know people like child you don't know how it was back then but you know (laughs) we had books (laughs) (laughs) and not audible you had to read them yourself I wrote I read my books while I was walking to school in the snow (laughs) four miles away I I had to go and stand in line and check out a book but you know the 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 um, the world has become such a smaller place. And at that time it was oh, even like getting that. smaller. Yeah. Right. And so the world has become a smaller place, smaller That's place, true. you know, in terms of just understanding. And, you know, if I want to check out the white house, now I can just do a quick video and find something about it. Right. Um, it wasn't as readily available back then. So even to my ears and I had been working in this field and I had been working in indices at that point. Um, it was, it was super exciting. Like the white house. Wow. You know, that's something that seems so far away and so inaccessible for me um so we started talking and then i thought how fun would it be to do a series where you get to do a sleepover at different locations around the world not just oh, the white house i see what you did and- there that's <laughs> clever there's that creative so, writing degree <laughs> yeah. so you know, so come up with the, the adventures around the world um so sleepover at easter island sleepover at the time we were thinking pyramids in egypt sleepover and just the Imagine any iconic place or any place in the world you have a sleepover. So um, that's the fun story with David. <laughs> that is really house, great. So, yeah. And what I, what, I, what I think is really interesting about your story, Gita, is you yourself presently, you don't, you don't have any children at this moment, do you? No, not at this moment. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this moment you're like, no. <laughs> Tomorrow, we don't know. It's a whole new day. You know. right. I can only speak for the present. <laughs> but I love that you have focused your life and your very impressive, whether to your mother or not, career on something that's helping children. And even without having your own, because usually you hear these stories from people 
Mm. It came from a place like, oh, my kids weren't getting this or as a teacher or something Uh in that realm. So I find that part really interesting. Why the connection with children? That's a really good question. It's something I've never really thought about, actually, because I I'm not an edu- I wasn't an educator and like by trade in terms of I had never taught anywhere, so teaching was something I actually kind of um, shied away from, um, so I didn't have it in me. I think. Well, you know, I've always had good relationship with kids. Like it's always been very important for me to have children around in my life, whether it's like my friend's kids, or at the time, I was very close to my goddaughter, who at that time was five, and now almost 20 years old. So she was quite an, she was quite an inspiration. Um, And actually, it's, I think, you know, kids, the, the world of kids is, is not as inaccessible as we think it is as adults, right? So maybe that's part of it is that it's very easy to tap into into children and into that mentality or into that that spirit and that that fun idea and you know like taking it into a little bit more of a, a sober a sober place i think the why children question is more about education and the importance of education and so um it was right around that time in 2005 um and the next four or five years after that, that I was building Global Sleepover when I reconnected with my father. Um, and so who I hadn't, I I think I hadn't um, spoken with him or seen him since I was seven, eight, something like this. And really? I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. My fa- So in high school years, I was living, um, we were living with our family members and relatives, but not my father wasn't, wasn't there. And he had gone back to India and um, traveled a little bit in Africa, but he was primarily in India. So uh, in those years, I was reconnecting with my father and kind of learning his story and his about his life. And um, uh, one thing I had done a lot of research into was how my family were refugees, my both my parents side um, in India in 1947 and so um, long story short um, when I reconnected with my father I came to learn his story one day sitting in Delhi and I learned this story about how he was a refugee at age eight and had to flee and my father grew up in refugee camps um, went to government school And he went from that place to having five degrees in the world and moving to America. He had five upper, let's start, four four upper upper level degrees and one uh, university level degree. And that was all based on his his belief in the power of education and the unequivocal, I, I can write this, I can, I always a hard word for me to pronounce, but unequivocal, the unequivocal power of education right, yeah, of and course. how it truly changes society. Um, and then o- over the years, and unfortunately he passed away now 10 years back, but over the years I learned all these stories about my father enrolling his sisters in school in 1950s in India at a time when, when, when my grandmother wanted to pull them out of school after eight, after grade eight. So, um, you know, we, we, yeah, it was was such a, like, so you, you see what the power of education can do. Right. And, and and this is a different story, but um, I even 
when my father was telling me this story, I looked up the name of the refugee camp that he grew up at, and it was still running as an or- as a home for widows and orphans. So we went to visit it together. <laughs> almost, and this is in India. In India, yeah, and almost fifty years later. And um, and and the reason I say this was that my father, when we went back there, we you know we took uh, donations and supplies. You know, he hadn't been back there. It was a it was a, it was a city or a town six hours north of where my father was living. So he was living in the capital in New Delhi. And this is a town six hours north. So he had never been back. Um, and he went back because of me. But the one thing he did that day, and remember, I was just still getting to know him, right? Like, it wasn't as if we, I knew a lot about him. And he agreed to go along on this journey with me at my insistence. But um, just seeing him in his action there, so without even telling me, um, he went and he gave money to this the lady that leads this um, particular home to pay for the education of the kids living in that home. This was in 2009. <laughs> so he covered all their costs for yeah. every child that was there. For their, for their edu- it was like something like 50 kids and to cover their costs, see them through oh, through high school. Yeah, That's extraordinary. Yeah, isn't it extraordinary? And like he, I, I, mean, I walked up to him as he was doing it and for him, like, you know, he never, you know, he, he didn't, it wasn't like he was like, like, hey, let's go do this together. It was just something he just thought of right there at that moment. And, you know, and the fact that it was, again, important to him, right? Like that was, that was his way of, 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 of creating change and his way of creating sustainable change is through education. So, um, so it's back to- It's in your to- genes, it's in your blood, <laughs> it's who you are. I had already started Global Sleepover at this point, right? Right. Um, and I had already, I already formulated the idea based on um, addressing inequities in education, right? And and in and not just addressing, but increasing equities in education, making. I like education. that increasing equities <laughs> in education. Yeah, that's a powerful statement. Yeah. That is really exactly. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we all talk about the problems, right? But but we want to look at like, what do you actually so reframing it as a first step, right? Like, let's how are we increasing it and not focusing increasing. on the lack of. That's- but, that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> There's that word again. That so, yeah. is beautiful. So, um, so you know, there's a whole many other stories about my connection to my father. But back to why children, I think, and education can happen at any level, right? Um, of course, it, it doesn't have to mean children. But if you if you give the opportunities to children, right? If you just create that framework, and and as a mother, as as somebody who's a supporter who's as somebody like yourself who gathers people and supports people together you know that like people just need the framework they just need a little bit of of that you know to that guidance and they can blossom right they just need that opportunity so i think um you know with children and also you know it's very easy like it's very easy to engage a six-year-old in a story about a sleepover in the wilderness. <laughs> i mean like- I must be six because I want to know all those stories. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> I think that's great. Geeta, how old were you when you started the Global Sleepover? And how old were you when you reconnected with your father? Are you trying to ask me if, if I had reconnected with my father first before no. Global Sleepover? Oh, are you just I trying just to ask the differences? To, yeah. How, uh, they really are separate. I mean, how old, yeah. how old were you when you successfully launched 
you're like, okay, everyone can actually go in and access all the materials oh, for Global Sleepover. It's an actual yeah. thing. It's not just on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Around what age were you there? And then how old were you when you reconnected with your father in India? Sure. So my father in India was my late 20s. By the time we started having those conversations, I was I was around 29 and taking those trips. I took trips to India numerous times. And he unfortunately passed away when I was 32. So um, it was just not not too many years later. Um, in terms of my age with Global Sleepover, so um, it's a little, the journey has been linear and nonlinear. And it's easy to, you know, when you talk about these stories, nothing's ever linear. And that's part of ever, the beauty. Never, that's, that never, the ever. <laughs> you know, that's the secret. That's the secret. You know, trying True. to make it linear is where you come across problems, right? And, oh, and trying yeah. to make it linear is where you come across problems. Yeah. That is so true. Because you do. We want so, A to B little, you know, like a very short track. And that yeah. is just not how life goes. That's it just right. Doesn't. And, you that. know, and it, it um, I always believe, you know, there's going to be lots of failure. Um, so, so I would say it was around, so when, from the time I conceptualized it to the time that I actually was like ready to like, here's, here's something to show what I've been working on. That was, there was about a five year period. So I was again in my like 32, 33, something along those lines. It was well after my father had passed away, actually. Um, but in those years, it wasn't that I wasn't doing anything. It was just there was a lot of conceptualizing, piloting, taking it from one step to another, um, you know, uh, kind of seeing, looking at the landscape of what's happening in the world, what's happening with parents' education. So, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. A lot of work. I can't <laughs> you know, even imagine. So, so since I'm only 26, you know, it wasn't that long. <laughs> exactly. It's I really weird. <laughs> You're just aging backwards. Yes, I I hear you. We have the same skin skincare products that we use. Yes, that's right. We oh, drink the too. same the same smoothies and the, the same, same Kool Aid. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we're drinking the same Kool Aid today. I think that that's really beautiful how you connected with what you're doing presently with your mm-hmm. relationship with your father. And I hope this isn't out of turn to say, but the brokenness of a parent-child relationship, which I'm guessing it was broken at points, which first of all, who doesn't have a broken relationship with their parents? Let's be honest. (laughs) They happen to be humans. Mm -hmm. You're a human. It's going to be broken. Yeah. (laughs) And then you are living your life trying to heal a broken world with your little flashlight, your little spot, Mm -hmm. the way that you're doing it. And I think the correlation between the two is really fantastic and fascinating. And I don't know how many of us pause and look at what we're contributing today and reflecting on where it came from in our past Mm -hmm. or part of our original origin stories, Mm -hmm. you know, our um, family of origin, things like that, and why we make the choices we make and go the direction that we're going. And I I know for you, when I met you in school, you were often going to a Hindu temple here in Houston and you would bring me back flowers. (laughs) I don't know if you remember that. And I loved it. I would say Lay's and I'm like, it's not Hawaiian. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> but they, they were like flower necklaces. I'm pretty sure that's also wrong to say. It has, I'm sure, a beautiful yeah. word, and I am being so no, uneducated. Not at all, not at all, yeah. But you would bring me back these beautiful flowers from yeah. um, the temple, and I would hang them on my dresser. And they would stay there until you would bring me a new set. <laughs> and then I would have these fresh, beautiful flowers that were all yeah. strung like a necklace, like a lei, like a Hawaiian lei. It mm-hmm. looks like that, but it wasn't. But um, <laughs> And I would have them on my dresser. And I, I absolutely loved that and the fragrance. And I loved that you were so generous in sharing Aww. a piece of your spirituality at the time with me. You know, because, you know, I'm the token Catholic. Yeah. I'm like this, you know, like, oh, there's Liv. She's the Roman Catholic. Like, everybody knew. I didn't have to, you know, come dressed as a nun. Everyone was aware. And you were so kind to share your spirituality and, oh, and let me have some of that. And I know that today you are in a different place with your spirituality. Mm. And and I, I think that's really beautiful. And I think so many people, as we grow and change, right, it becomes more of our own. Yeah. And we develop it. How how did your personal spirituality, I don't know whether even then or now, whichever one you're more comfortable with, how did mm-hmm. that play into what you're doing today with giving of your life in the way that you are in your project of the global sleepover? Well, you you, you put the question very beautifully. <laughs> and uh, I, I definitely remember, remember those flowers. Um, you know, I grew up in a very religious household and they were, um, they were, obviously Hindus and um, my mother she was a devout Hindu but she was somebody also who um, who exposed me to many religions and many cultures and um, I don't know if you remember but um, she used to send us to a Bible Bible camp at Sam Houston State University That's so, hilarious. Yeah. I, do, I do not remember yeah. that. Yeah, I may have, I may not have mentioned it. I think it was when I like right as we were going into high school. Um, and I think because because for me it was a little bit traumatizing because there weren't so many, so many Hindus around. So it it didn't it, when you're a child, spirituality obviously is very different, right? Um, so for me, it became about this identity search. Like at that time, like am I am I Baptist or am I, am I, well, am I Christian? Am I Hindu? I didn't really even know the difference, Christian Catholicism, et cetera. Um, so, uh, so I think I've always had this, like this grounding in spirituality from this with my mother that all, she always, you know, she would go to Buddhist temples, she would go to Hindu temples. And even though for her, her, her devout faith was Hinduism, um, she was, she was quite open-minded and um, exposed us to that. I think um, I'm part of that generation that would say that I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, <laughs> you know, and, you know, once you start unpacking what that means, it can go in, in many directions, of course. Um, so in terms of your question, though, it, it's quite interesting because um, there, there's so many stories that I want to say to kind of connect it, right? But I think the overall answer really is, is my spirituality is so private for me, like private meaning it's, it's personal, it's internal. And um, in the past two years only have I really been exploring, you know, this, um, this concept of the universe inside of you, right? Like the, and some people will call it God. Some people will call it divinity. Some people call it universe. There's a poem by John Donne, the English poet that talks about, seeing the universe in a grain of sand, right? Um, and so the, it's that concept that 
that energy that we have within us, right? For me personally, it's God, it's, it's a deeper spirituality and it's, it's the creator, um, whether, whether you call the creator by whatever name, <laughs> name it is, um, that to me is secondary to that energy and that faith. And so I think there's, there's a little bit of exploring your own, your own, the, that universe within you and drawing on that divine intervention and that divine power. Um, I, I don't know how to, how to exactly, exactly put it, but I think every time in my life when I've just, I've just leaned into whatever was happening, right? Whatever doors are opening, whatever energies were being sent my way. When I've leaned into what I think I should be living spiritually, or, you know, you can also say what God was putting in my path, that is when things have just blossomed, right? And that's when, that's when you see something taking a life of its own and you feel like, okay, I'm being used as a conduit towards something like this. Like, you know, some people might feel like it's a calling. I don't necessarily know if, if I would say it's my calling, but I definitely see that, you know, there's been certain things that have been put in my path and I see them as being gifts from God. And I see them as being like a spiritual, a spiritual gift. And so if I weren't, if I didn't honor those, to me that would be disrespectful to my own spirituality. I, I does that does that make sense? A that makes bit? a lot kind of sense. Of, you know, yeah, I love that. Just, that would be disrespectful to your own spirituality if you don't honor yeah. that. Yeah, and you know, and it could that. it could be it just in my case, I happen to have made a decision to kind of shift to make a career shift to do this, but you know, like living your life and choosing what you're doing there's so many ways to do it there's big ways and there's small ways and so it didn't didn't have to be like i didn't set out to say i'm going to make a career shift to do this um but it was one of those where i'm just gonna like somehow this is this is here and i'm just going to take the chance and i'm telling you like you know that's that saying like there but for the grace of god go i right like you know I literally didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> like the, the stories about how, you know, just the, the, the idiotic things I did and I said as I was building Global Sleepover, right, trying to figure out, like, what is this energy, what is this thing that I'm trying to say? I couldn't even articulate it, right? It took me years before I could articulate it. And I still can't. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it just, things just happen. Things just start to fall into place. And, and, you know, and I feel like that is that, like that belief that the world is so much larger than what you know and what you think, you know, like that energy that's there, you know, we're not in control of that. It's just all kind of, that's coming from, for me, at least personally, it's coming from a larger, from a divinity, a larger divine place. Um, connecting the, the story to my father, um, just, it's just quite interesting. I think my personal like, you know, I look around and I see the people that I work with now, for example, or I see the people working in education, um, a lot, my partners, so to speak, right? I never set out to go find them, right? They were all given to me. And I'm um, just people who are just impressive blessings, even from a business perspective, right? Just people who have opened up so many doors and they just fall into my lap, right? And I don't believe it's by coincidence. I believe it's by energy when i reconnected with my father i'll tell you this quick story and then i'll, I'll let you uh, finish um so 
I didn't know anything about my father. Like I knew very little, even to the point where we have a different, uh, he changed our last name when he came to the state. So I had heard that there might, we might have a different last name, but I didn't even know that that was a true story or not. So this was how kind of dis- disconnected I was, right, from this knowledge. So when I met my father and I heard his story and I found out that in the 60s, he had left India to go to Afghanistan, to Kabul, to work as a stenographer. And at that time in Kabul, it was a, it was a booming city. Like Delhi was was a struggling capital and people were leaving Delhi to go to Kabul for work and prosperity. And I say this to say that my father had um, gone to Kabul to work as a stenographer under a USAID contract. USAID is the United States Agency for International Development, which is the agency that I started working with when I finished graduate school. And not only that, my father then, um, he was working for a project in Kabul in the early 60s for, remember that airline Pan, Pan Am or Pan Am? Yeah, right? absolutely, yeah. So sure. they were doing a big project trying to make Afghanistan a hub with um, Ariana oh, Air. With Pan Am, yes, and with the Afghan airline, Ariana Airways. I think it's Ariana at the time, or something very similar to that. So my father got a, a free around-the-world ticket, and the, the first time he came to America was on that around-the-world ticket, and it was in Washington, D.C. He flew straight to Washington, D.C. And so, <laughs> and so when my father was telling me these stories, by that point, I had kind of DC was where I had come to, where I come of age, right? It was my first, like, I had traveled around a little bit after Houston, obviously, but DC was my, like, if I had to leave somewhere and go somewhere and restart my life, that was DC to me. I had already been working for USAID, and I had also been working for USAID in Afghanistan myself by the time I saw my father. <laughs> and you had no idea. No idea. And what a very specific connection uh-huh. detail. Like yeah. that's, so you both worked for the same company, corporation, division, whatever it's called, and in the same country. Did you yeah. actually work in Afghanistan or was that here in DC that you were working in relation to? No, I was working in Kabul. And you were stuff. yeah did he think okay did your dad think that was an extraordinary connection I don't think he could process I think he was just so like he was just learning about me he had no idea what I was doing and who I was wow you know so that is phenomenal it was it was phenomenal and it was um for me it was it was it was so amazing because I never felt like I belonged, right? And and I never felt like I had that connection with my father. And here, all of a sudden, you know, you see this. I mean, such and you know, I had been pursuing um, for for no reason just this interest in humanitarian assistance. I had no idea. Well, not for no reason. It was just something that was so deep within me, right? That I just kind of I had to kind of I studied it and I was working in it, and it was so powerful and here my father is telling me all these stories about the partition and his family history um without me knowing any of this um remember i was in my late 20s so i had already 
kind of quote unquote come to adulthood at that point. So I, I just bring this up just to say that um, I think the, that's the same thing that happened with global sleepover is um, I, I almost kind of felt this like, um, you know, relating it back to spirituality, uh, there was almost this, um, like it's within me and I felt something, I felt that it was within me, but I didn't know what it was, but I just kind of lead into it, right? Or for lack of a better term, I just kind of open your arms to it and let everything just go. So I really don't feel, and I think this is the way for a lot of people, I'm sure, right? Like you just go by your instinct or that internal voice. Some people call it God, some people call it universe or whatever that is within you. And so um, that's what I really kind of, bring it back to and even when i you know we've had some difficulties with global sleepover of course as every as every organization does um even when i've had those moments where i just really feel like what am i doing um you know <laughs> feel like everything's against me um i just kind of come back to that right that there, there's just something it's not me it's not quote unquote my idea but it's just I'm that conduit for this energy or for this. And the more I focus on that, the clearer it becomes. <laughs> the That's interesting. Becomes, yeah. <laughs> okay. And that makes, but that makes a lot of sense, Gita. Like what you're saying, it's almost like when you no longer fight and you just receive the message. Yeah. You know, that's, that's how I yes, see. Yes, that's exactly. That's perfect. The receive the message. And that's a beautiful way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah, but. that's how I feel when you're saying <laughs> leaning in. So let me ask you my one question that I told you I would ask. And yeah. Here's, what, here's what's becoming my quickly my favorite part of the podcast. Although I am just, <laughs> I, I keep forgetting that we're actually recording this for other humans to listen yeah. to because I'm just like sitting over here with a cup of coffee. Just, I could do this all day. I, I want to listen to everything you have. I want to hear every story. That's probably the problem. This is soon going to turn into a 17 hour oh. show and people are going to have to take breaks, but, but I mean it well. Um, it's just, it's just fascinating. I always think I'm going to ask this question in mm -hmm. relation to something. And then yeah. once the conversation between my guest and I happen, I quickly see that this question is meant for something else mm -hmm. in the discussion. So at first I thought I would ask you my question in relationship to the global sleepover, to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you in relationship with your father. So what had to quiet down in your life Mm -hmm. In order for you to hear that inner voice, you know, your you say personal spirituality for me, as you know, as a Catholic, it would be God. Sure. But for you, um, what had to quiet down in your life for you to hear that inner voice for you to step back into a relationship with your father to reconnect with him? What had to quiet down for you to then walk into that space again? That's a very different answer <laughs> than in relation to global sleepover. Um, yes. In relation for my father, um, I think experience. What had to quiet down is is your is is your is my ego, and and by that, like I'm just choosing one word, but by that I mean when I, when I feel like ego, it's, it's like everything from that, those feelings of 
not belonging, right, to, you know, and not feeling wanted, which, you know, we all feel for different reasons, um, I'm sure, to some degree. Um, so, but, but or then your ego about who you are, your identity, yourself, um, the good and the bad, right? So um, once all of that quieted down, I could see myself as a, almost a larger being than those, than these negative and positive influences even in my own mind, then I was able to kind of put myself um, second, right, and and see the larger picture. And so I like to, like I like to refer to it as like transcending almost, right. And for lack of a better term, again, I I don't know how to quite, quite eloquently put it, but sometimes I like to envision myself. Um, and this is actually a little trick, a little game that we do with Global Sleepover also is um, I'll, I'll, I'll envision myself sit, seated. Okay, so I'm right now, I'm seated in this chair, right, in, in, my, in this room, in this house, which is in the neighborhood of Washington, D.C., right? And then I like to zoom out mentally, right? So I zoom out, okay, D.C., D.C. is, you know, bordered by Virginia and Maryland. D.C. is on the east coast of, of the United States next to the Atlantic Ocean, la, 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 la. And then before you see it, then, you, then I'm zooming out and I'm looking down on, on the earth, right, as 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 a globe and as a universe and i'm just that tiny speck right um down there so and we played the same similar game at global sleepover where we tell the kids you know well where did you wake up this morning and you know my bed <laughs> you know some some will joke you know i fell asleep i fell on the floor so i woke up on the floor some kids get really <laughs> funny i went to sleep in my sister's room last kids. night right. so, well, they, and once they catch on to the game you know i woke up in my bathtub but honey i really don't think you're a mother so we, we so play cute. so it's really fun like so we place place them the idea with this game is to help them envision themselves as a member of their community and then a member of the global community right so they're local and global so we we do the same thing where we zoom out right we zoom out from their home and their neighborhood and so they can see themselves as part of their city but then also, well, where's your city located and what, in what state and what country? And they see how they're, we're all interconnected. So I think that's what I was trying to say by when I, when I can see myself from this, this zoomed out perspective, right? Um, then these, these little things that mess up that kind of come in the way of our ego, they're inconsequential or they become more insignificant. And then I think then I was able to kind of, I was relentless about reconnecting with my father. Relentless. <laughs> There's so many, the, the story, the stories are, I was just driven by this. I have to get to know him. Right. Like, you know, oh, I, so I have this, you. yeah, I just, you know, you just have this, this, this feeling like, you know, and I had, and really, really, he, he also was, was, um, resistant at first because I think it was very painful for him well I know it was very painful for him and so sure. he he it was it was a quite a difficult journey so I think once I could I could see you know I could see myself um out of that ego then all these you have empathy you have compassion right then I was able to like I still don't hold any anger against my father right um and and that that's my own my own way of, of looking at the situation and circumstances, but, but I think it's much easier to experience. And, and I would rather, I would rather have 
like now I, I know I knew my father I met him as an adult rather than you know not um, rather than paying attention to my ego and saying well he knows where I am you know he's the one that left to right oh, he can come that, find me right. so um, at least for me that was the that was worth it but um, but your sense almost of self like, yeah. and your sense of identity right I almost had to kind of quiet that in order for me to to go <laughs> to reconnect with my father even your pain even having to quiet yeah. your pain in order to yes yeah step into a relationship with this man who yeah I am very grateful as your yeah. friend that oh. you reconnected and that you got some beautiful, so again, that word with you, stories yeah. that are connecting to what you're doing today. And obviously it's not a mistake as to where you've gone into your life. And I hope your mother sees how you know, both your parents, that they, they consider you successful, even though you didn't go into medical yeah. field, that you've reached an international relationship success, yeah. which I think is just glorious and something we oh, don't have enough you. of. And I just thank you for doing. So where can people, Gita, where can people find information about what you do? How fun. So we, um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the part I'm supposed to get better at uh, promoting. Uh, You're doing sharing, great. So I, I we'll get type shy. it all in the show notes. You're doing <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Uh, so uh, you can come to our website, www.globalsleepover.com. We're also quite active on Facebook. And so we're just, it's the, the end of it's facebook.com backslash global sleepover. I think those are the two places right now, but our website is of course, the, the main place to come and find out and to Perfect. engage. And we always love um, new ideas, new, new communities, new connections. Um, and also, you know, we have a lot of fun things coming up plan that we have planned, um, especially in the changing environment with redesigning education and looking at, I think this current pandemic, um, if I may just quickly just yeah, uh, <laughs> follow up with this, this, this current pandemic um, has really highlighted um, the inequities in education in a way that nothing else has been able to. Everything That's a from- very good point. Yeah, yes. everything from um, quality of education to why different children go to school um, to teach I mean, inequities for teachers also, not just, you know, for, for parents, how parents work in the system, digital inequities. Um, so it has never been, um, uh, very, I mean, sad, unfortunately and sadly, you know, I, the circumstances that brought us here, um, are, are sad, but it has never been a more relevant time for our work than now, um, with global sleepover, with really making education accessible, planning for the future and so we are redesigning um, a lot of what we offer uh, in a way that we can make it more accessible in this new era of education the, the new future <laughs> after the pandemic so. oh I love that I I you know I'm a fan of your work yeah. and I hope everyone checks it out especially since a lot of us are still at home it, no matter when you're listening it doesn't matter because education is important and what you're doing is it, it's it's classic. It's never going to go out of style to try to bring people together. So thank you for that. Gita, this conversation has been extraordinary. 
blow like just uh, blows my mind I love you to pieces as much as I always have if uh if I ever get to continue to do this would you come back and be a guest again oh I would love to no thank you like I'm glad glad this is only audio not video because you're making me tear up but really thank you thank you (laughs) you you have a wonderful presence about you and there's something so comforting and and the way that you ask questions and that you care and it's really appreciative um like it and it's it's I was telling you earlier, it's so natural and it's so authentic. So thank you for, thank you for having the vision to draw out um, the, the gems, right? Uh, oh, thank <laughs> so, you. Really- I appreciate that. <laughs> well, there's a lot of gems inside of you to get to. So and you were so kind to share. Thank you. I really appreciate yeah. your time. Hopefully, if I ever get back to D.C. when the pandemic's over, we will have to go yeah. look at those cherry blossoms together. Yeah. But, friend, thank you. And um, I'm, I'm sending you. you all the love. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Good luck to you. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Talk to Me with Liv Harrison, the stories behind their success. I really hope you come back because I am so excited about this podcast launching. Please make sure that you're subscribing. I would love for you to share on social media, share with your colleagues, your friends. If you could leave me a review or even a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts, I would be ever so grateful. Here's the deal. These next few weeks, as I build up an audience, it's really important for me to get those ratings and reviews and subscriptions. So please share and please do those things. I really promise that I'm going to bring you fantastic content and you're not going to want to miss my next guest. I sure know that. So until next time, I'll wait for you right here. Bye.